Welcome to Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. We're about a week away from our annual Cannabis Marketing Summit, June 21st through 23rd in Denver, Colorado, for two and a half days of cannabis marketing speakers, best practices, and networking over three stages at the Hilton City Center. This year's theme is doing more with less, scaling sustainably. We know how tough it is in the industry right now. So all of our content, whether it's a conversation about SEO or retail design, is going to be spoken about through the lens of how to do it on a budget and effectively to help companies drive their top line revenue and their profit. Today's conversation features Tatiana Brooks, the Public Relations Account Director at Comprise. As the Director of Emerging Markets at Comprise, Tatiana is responsible for executing impactful public relations strategies that grow companies across a number of verticals, including cannabis, AI, cybersecurity, financial technology, and more. She's committed to cannabis advocacy, social responsibility, and education, and Tatiana partners with local organizations to increase business opportunities for minorities and restore economic wealth. Get your tickets now to the Cannabis Marketing Summit. Use the code PODCAST20 for 20% off, exclusive to Party Like a Marketer subscribers. Go to thecannabismarketingassociation.com and click on the Cannabis Marketing Summit. See you next week. Tatiana, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Lisa. Really happy to be here. Really happy to be here. Yes. So can you tell our audience a little bit about who you are, your, your career background, anything else you want them to know about Tatiana, um, as well as your work at your agency and a little bit about what you do? Sure, absolutely. So uh, my name is Tatiana Brooks. Everyone calls me Tati. Tatia. Uh, even my CEO called me Tater Top. <laughs> um, I'm director of Emer- Emerging Markets at Comprise. Uh, we are one of the nation's first technology public relations agencies, and we are based in Boulder, Colorado. Um, I started my PR career in Las Vegas, where I handled social media, digital marketing, influence management, all types of account management for entertainment, food and beverage, and CPG brands, uh, one of those being cannabis. Um, But since leaving Sin City, I've really honed in more on cybersecurity, synthetic biotech, agricultural biotech, anything that's new on the scene. Um, And one of those still is cannabis, so all about cannabis technology as well. So I really like to specialize in um, impactful stories that help not just consumers and media, but also investors, employees, political leaders. Uh, So what I do is help my clients uh, really just increase their awareness and their thought leadership. Awesome. And how long have you been doing this? And this is comprises like this is their bread and butter. This is what they do. This is this is what we do. Yeah, we are all about making sure that Uh, anyone new on the scene or, you know, whether it be startup or whether you're a very established company, but just making sure that they are seen in a very positive light and um, making sure that they're effective, whether that be increasing their funding or increasing awareness for their products. um, That's just, that's definitely our bread and butter. But I've been doing this for about five years now. um, And in Vegas, where I started my PR career, uh, one of my first clients was one of Vegas's first recreational dispensaries. So really, Really, uh, really appreciated the grassroots movement um, and still do to this day. Awesome. And can you talk about some of the best 
practices for PR for cannabis clients? Like, what are the things that when you start out the gate with them that you advise and recommend um, when working with them? And like, what, how do you approach cannabis a little bit differently than say cybersecurity or, um, you know, some of these other technologies that you mentioned, like what's kind of the, the bread and butter of, of best practices and that public relations approach that you have? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I would say uh, whether that be, you know, if it's cannabis technology or a dispensary or a cannabis brand, um, as we all know, um, you know, there's plenty of stoners in the industry, uh, but we try to shift away from that kind of stoner culture because, you know, this is a business, this is um, an industry leading um, something that we are trying to standardize. Uh, so that's one best practice for sure, um, but also still making sure to resonate with those consumers who are still those uh, stoner cultures is still super important. Um, so making sure that we have the messaging right. So whether we're talking to investors or customers and whether those consumers are new to cannabis or maybe they're cannabis averse. So it's making sure that we are, you know, really tailoring that messaging uh, to complete their goals. Dispensary, they began hosting blood drives uh, to help the American Red Cross because they were having a blood shortage. Um, and those blood drives that helped offer uh, discounts to consumers who donated. Um, so now they do it every year and they see a consistent boost from not just their you know regular consumers, but also new customers. Uh, one of their customers even said like, they said like, I didn't know anything about cannabis. I was just trying to give back, uh, but I ended up walking into the store and trying it and now I loved it. Um, so it was a great way to um, help the community, but also drive sales. So definitely giving back is something that I have seen um, go really far. Um, I know it can be tough, especially right now. Canvas is in a downturn overall, um, but there's still some opportunities to give back uh, that may not have a, a huge lift on your marketing, uh, your marketing area. Um, Another strategy I'd say is, you know, responsible cannabis marketing. That's something that uh, myself and my CEO, Doyle Albee, uh, who's go we're going to be speaking at the Cannabis Marketing Summit soon, uh, later this month. And yeah. our, yeah, I know, I'm super excited. <laughs> Our presentation is going to be on lessons that the cannabis industry can take from the alcohol industry when it comes to uh, responsible marketing. Um, so we'll definitely be diving into what the alcohol industry did, but from the cannabis side, um, we just really want to make sure that the marketing strategies we're doing protects them from uh, anything as well as uh, claims from saying that cannabis is unsafe or you know anything, you know, let's say that there are upcoming potency caps that we need to worry about. Um, those effective marketing strategies making sure people know, you know, you have to be ID'd several times before you go into a dispensary. Those types of things need to be shared with consumers um, and it'll help just protect them overall. So you're saying as an actual strategy to educate consumers on compliance and what to expect so that they, you are building that trust as far as like expectations matching reality mm -hmm. and that they know what they're getting into, not just as far as the product itself, but the experience of, um, purchasing and, and yeah. compliantly purchasing cannabis. Right. Absolutely. And it's not to say, you know, your day-to-day -day consumers, they're not walking into your dispensary because, you know, they're being ID. So it's not necessarily messaging for them, but it's for, you know, it's for parents, you know, it's for school leaders who are worried about, you know, the negative aspects that may be associated with cannabis, but this is an additional way to protect you from that. Uh, for example, you walk into a liquor store, you can have your child with you. You know, that's something that not a lot of consumers know is that 
dispensaries, you have to be ID'd once, twice, maybe even three times before you walk out with your purchase. Uh, some uh, dispensaries, you have to have your product in a bag. Um, sometimes there's additional labeling on there. Um, so I think talking about those things, it, it helps relieve those cannabis averse and then may even take them from cannabis averse to cannabis uh, curious to maybe even becoming a cannabis connoisseur, connoisseur excuse me. It never occurred to me that analogy about children being actually allowed into liquor stores. That's so obvious, but it just like that just clicked how much of a difference that is and what an um, possible like barrier for parents to be able to go because exactly. they, they have to either be by themselves or have childcare or like the kid would need to be old enough to be able to sit in the car for a little bit by themselves um, that actually really does affect things. That one never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are things that need to be discussed because we are regulated far more than, you know, other industries. Um, so like I said, it's not for those cannabis enthusiasts. They're not walking in because, yay, my favorite dispensary really cares about IDing. That's not something that they're maybe thinking of as top of mind, but it's an added barrier that we need to be discussing in a more public stance to make sure that people know that, it, you know, this is something regulated. This is a business, you know, this is a legal business and, you know, we're doing the right things and we're doing more than just crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And how does public relations play into the marketing mix? Because it seems like years ago when cannabis was new, um, PR was such an obvious strategy. Everyone was really curious about it. Um, it is protected by the First Amendment. So when it comes to regulations, you can like, in theory, say whatever you want to a, a journalist. Um, it's not the same as like putting together a campaign and launching it and, and putting it there. But, you know, PR does involve brand storytelling. But I also feel like when I speak with journalists now, they are saying, you know, there's so many product new products launching. So many of them are similar, like the kind of initial shiny objectness of the industry and whatever new gummies brand just came out is starting to dull a bit, which is good in the sense that, okay, this is becoming more mainstream, that it's not headline news every time. Like this is what we all wanted. Right. But like, how does PR play into the cannabis marketing mix and how do you see brands being effective in it now and in the future, given that it is um, less of a hook I, I think at this point in time than it was in the right. past. Yeah, well, I say they definitely both have to work hand in hand. That's really important for your marketing team and your PR team to be very well aligned as well as with your social media team. Um, and I know with, you know, again, with cannabis being in quite a downturn, there are things that, you know, get taken down or lost in the mix, marketing and PR, those type of services be, start to becoming one of the first things that brands may be thinking, ah, you know, maybe something has to go. But when it comes to PR, it's supporting marketing in the sense of, you know, marketing is getting your products out there, making sure your consumers know about them. But there's an added level, an added layer that's really important. So with PR, we're helping to make sure that journalists and writers know about the products that you're going, that you're, you know, utilizing and putting out there. But also the, the thought leadership is a really big piece. Um, one of our um, former clients, uh, when we were working with them on one of their gummy brands, uh, their gummies were... Um, it helps out for you're able to score them and have a bit more of a micro dose. Um, so that was something that was fairly new to the market. Uh, so that marketing is helping making sure the consumers know about it. But then the PR element is making sure that, you know, 
people know that it is becoming a thing. And then it goes into thought leadership of, you know, why do we need gummies that are less than 10 milligrams? Uh, you know, and then it's talking about that it is one of the first things on the market. Uh, so that's another added layer of making sure that you're seen as a thought leader, you're seen as a revolutionary. Um, and it's just, it's just more than just getting that product out there. So they all come together. Yeah, so you can still leverage it in that educational sense, like you were saying, that thought leadership can be tied to that education, um, mm -hmm. which I think ultimately helps everybody at the end. Yeah, especially for an SO, uh, SEO as well. Um, so, you know, you know, if you, you know, you put out a product and your consumers are worried about it from aware of it from a marketing standpoint, but then it's also that PR standpoint is making sure, you know, Marijuana Venture covers it, making sure High Times covers it. That way, when people are looking for edibles that are less than 10 milligrams, they're searching for those and boom, you know, you're coming up and saying, you know, this leader was just featured in High Times for their new product. Yes, that makes sense. And how does um, working with an agency like yours, like work? Tell me about that process and like about the benefits of working with a PR agency and connecting with the media to ensure that things get covered. Sure, sure, sure. So when we sign an, a, um, a client on, um, you know, we want to know all the nitty gritty, you know, we want to know about your upcoming products, your upcoming announcements, um, who are your thought leaders, and then we want to just elevate them and make sure that they are just seen in the best light possible, as well as, see, you know, seen as technological advancers. Uh, those are things that are really important. So when you come on, uh, we just learn everything that we can about you and, you know, we plan you know, when to, uh, when you want to release your products, uh, when you want to start talking about new things, and it's all really planned. Uh, and we do like 90 day sprints. So every 90 days, we'll do a strategy session and talk to you about what your goals are, what KPIs we need to confirm, uh, and then the pathways to get there. And what are common KPIs from a press perspective? From a press perspective, I would say common KPIs are, you know, making sure they're in those uh, trade publications for sure. So they want to be in high times. If they're doing something from a political standpoint, they want to be in normal. Uh, so we want to make sure we're getting them re uh, their reach in the outlets that they prefer. Um, but then it also is uplifting their marketing and social media. So, um, you know, we're making sure we're working with their social media teams is that when they get published in an article, then the social media is following up with saying, hey, you know, thanks High Times for featuring me. And then it's really adding to that conversation. So that's another KPI is how social and marketing can both uh, benefit from PR efforts. Um, another KPI I would say is just making sure even when it comes to their events, you know, um, it's more than just marketing with when it comes to events, it's making sure, you know, hey, was it featured on the news? Or, you know, was my Blood Drive, for example, uh, covered um, more places than just cannabis to reach those cannabis averse and cannabis curious consumers too. That makes sense. And do you have any like stories or client wins you want to share where you were like, this is like the perfect example of PR being knocked out of the park and this is how it um, like really helped and benefited a business? Like what's that, what's that kind of dream scenario look like? 
Sure, sure, sure. So a couple of years ago, I was working with The Green Solution, uh, which is a pretty predominant um, dispensary here in Colorado, as well as um, a couple other states. Um, but a couple of their founders uh, were vet are veterans themselves. So we really wanted an opportunity to give back to veterans. So when they opened their dispensary in Blackhawk, which is a fairly small market, um, but it was, you know, became one of the first dispensaries in that area of Blackhawk, Colorado. Um, but they also partnered with a veteran community and gave um, I believe, don't quote me on the number, but we definitely gave a, a couple thousand dollars to those community leaders um, and had a big event, had a big splash, especially in such a small market. So they were featured in all of their, you know, smaller newspapers and publications, um, but that helped them get new customers in a very small market. So that's definitely a win for sure. Um, that blood drive that I mentioned earlier, um, another great way to reach cannabis averse and cannabis curious, as well as just giving back. Um, and even American Red Cross thanked them as well. So that's just adding the, the grand scope of uh, being able to be seen in a positive light. Um, those are just a couple really uh, pretty recent. Um, one recent one, uh, we worked with Terrapin Care Station on um, releasing their first um, cannabis kind of um, vending machine. Um, so, you know, it was a new technological advancement. Uh, we featured and got them featured in MJ BizCon. Um, so just really cool things. Yeah. And I love the um, enforcement on give back, but also like creating win-win-win scenarios that have this snowball effect where if you're doing something good for a certain community and the broader community too. So like veterans, for example, in Blackhawk, that um, there's a good story to tell there more than just like this new dispensary opened and come check them out. It's like, here's who they are. Here's the value and how like serious that they see themselves within the community. And like, I guess I should say how serious that they're taking it. Um, and it ties into their story. And I think sometimes we as marketers can make things like overly complicated and like overly metrics driven and overly analytical and like there's nothing wrong with that but also it's like when you step back and take a look at the bigger picture and think about like what are people going to remember what's going to really build trust and stick with them what is going to be that working smarter and not harder and it's like there there is a story to tell there which is that the store opened money was raised money was donated and it was donated to a meaningful cause to the community and to the business um, that's like triple, you know, triple bottom line, like win, win, win there. Exactly. Um, sometimes the story is already there, you know, sometimes yeah. you just really think about your history and that's, you know, that's a, just a great part of storytelling is sometimes when you're just looking within, finding out the true things that are passionate about who your client is, or even if you're, you know, you're just thinking about yourself. If you really go towards that and work off of those real experiences, that's when you have the most effective marketing, in my opinion. So when you are working with clients, do you sit down and ask them, like, tell us your story or like, what are your core values or um, like how, what are some of the things you would ask to, when you're saying the story's already there, like, I'm assuming part of your job is being able to tease that out and then turn it into an action plan. So like, what does that look like and how would our audience, if they're maybe startups or haven't worked with an agency before, like, how do you approach that process and how should they be thinking about that as far yeah. as finding a story that they, instead of creating one, extracting one? 
For sure, for sure. Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, we're it's it's a lot of conversation uh, when you're signing on a client. It's, you know, finding out their history, finding out what makes them tick, finding out what their employees really care about, finding out what their founders care about. I mean, you know, maybe if we're not talking to a CEO, we're talking to someone's um, communications officer. Right. So we're you know, we're talking about the story of how their company came to be. Those are things that are really important that need to stick with it. That story needs to stick through. And if you start by making sure that that story is in from day one, it will continue on. Uh, so that's something we do quite often in the beginning. Uh, but once you have that friendship relationship, I like to become friends with my clients. I really do because, you know, we're, we're it's a partnership, you know, it's, you know, yes, you're getting, you're getting comprised as a service, but what you're really getting is a partner, someone that cares about your future success. So uh, just, you know, really becoming friends with them is something that I really enjoy about my job. Um, but when it comes to, say, you know, early cannabis entrepreneurs, or perhaps you're a social equity applicant, right? Um, you want that to stay rooted in you, or perhaps you started your cannabis business because, you know, your mother wanted, you know, really wanted medicine, or perhaps you wanted medicine. Um, maybe mental health is something that's important to you. Maybe, you know, an uncle, um, you know, is uh, has to be put in prison for a nonviolent crime for cannabis, something like that. You know, keeping those stories alive, it helps generate sales truly because people want to contribute to something that is passionate, something that is worthwhile. Um, and then it also just, you know, it makes you happy overall. You know, if you want to share those really meaningful stories, they should carry on throughout your business uh, and with, in your social media and your marketing and in your PR. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, oh, I was just about to ask you a follow-up to that. Um, I'm blinking. You had said something really good. No problem. I was uh, just talking about yeah, just, you know, when it comes to how your company began, um, that those are really important things. So I oh. definitely, you got it? Yes. Yes. So when it comes to marketing, um, like I was saying in the beginning about sometimes us overcomplicating it as marketers, that you want to be able to turn your customers into evangelists of your brand. And if they have an experience that they really love or a core value that like you align with their core values, like I think of Tom's shoes as the most kind of like obvious, almost oversimplified example where like those shoes weren't particularly like pretty or innovative or arguably stylish, but it was like, they're at a decent price point. They're well-made. And I know with this purchase, I am helping somebody else really exactly. in need. And I feel like that just simple concept, like skyrocketed them to like first in class. And it's not that, you know, we can even have that sort of direct comparison in cannabis as far as like a one-for-one -one model, but it is just this consideration of that founder had a story. It was tied to something that was important to him. He built it into the business model. He was able to make it work. And that like directly hit at the emotional appeal of customers that allowed people to talk about it for it to be recognizable. And then like, even with that Blackhawk example, like that snowball effect for it to like keep going and to keep getting bigger and um, having that authenticity in your messaging and that story that folks can resonate with in your messaging can often be like way more simple than just um, like what, what is the latest deal that we're running or like, what are the product benefits? Like we actually just did a webinar last week with um, 
five of the top editors in cannabis with MG Magazine, Marijuana Venture, MJ Biz. And they were all talking about like what not to do. And one of the things they said was like, don't send a press release with your prices and don't send a press release with you're just like listing off your product attributes like that. There's not a story there. And that doesn't differentiate at all. And essentially like this wasn't their words, but essentially what they were saying was like, how does that matter to our readers? Like, how are you appealing to the readers? You need to keep that in mind. So um, I just like how how you tied that in. Yeah. 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 They really care about, you know, are you first, are you biggest? Are you, um, you know, what makes you different? Your differentiators are so, so, so important. Um, and you, you don't want to steer clear of them. You don't want to brag, of course, but you want to make sure people know that, you know, what makes you different? Why do I want this cannabis gummy versus something else? Or why is this cannabis coffee um, better than regular coffee? You want to talk about those differentiators um, and definitely steer away from prices and press releases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like think like a journalist, right? Like what what are they doing and how much, how how do they have to write? What is their kind of process for that? And then if you can Mm -hmm. meet them as much there as possible, you're going to have a more likely chance of being covered. And I think that's one of the benefits about working with agencies is that you all not only know how to do that, but you have these longer standing relationships with reporters and the media and can know and advise on this is what they'll like, and this is what's different. And here's how to take your story and craft it. Um, versus just having folks send it. They also mentioned too, I will say, I didn't even occur to me that this was something that was happening that um, they're starting to get press releases that are like generated by like AI and chat GPT. And they were like, we can tell, like we know when a human sat and write that versus like, you know, an admin in your office who cranked it out on chat GPT and that you immediately are losing trust with reporters there. So it's just like that um, working smart, smarter, not harder, isn't always, um, spending less time on things or being less considerate because it can actually kind of come around and bite you if, if you don't know how to that message and deliver exactly it can definitely bite you in the butt um our agency you know we talk about it every day you know we we definitely want to stay on top of the latest tools um but we you know we have to use ai to benefit us not to make us look bad um so that they can definitely tell because you know it it, it is a robot you know it 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 lacks the emotion um it may not have updated information i think it only goes back to 2021 so um, you know, there are things that it just simply don't, doesn't know. Um, so you have to use it to benefit you. You definitely don't want it to, um, appear that a robot wrote it. For sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, given that you've been working in this space for a while now, and you have a lot of experience in all these different industries, um, what is some advice that you received at the beginning of your career that you have found is still true? And, and also what's the flip side? Like, is there any advice that you're like, this is what I thought coming into PR and then this is not actually how it is? Yeah, I would definitely say when it comes to PR, again, you know, it's it's definitely about those relationships that you're building, especially when it comes to PR, um, you know, speaking with journalists, there are still journalists that I met, you know, at conferences five years ago that I still keep in contact with over email or just, oh, you had a baby, you know, just keeping those relationships are super important. It doesn't, it doesn't stop when you give them your business card. It involves you keep going and you're still making those connections day to day. Um, from a specifically a marketing standpoint, 
what I would say is staying on track on top of the latest tools is super, super important. Um, and being aware of, you know, any new shakeups in the industry. Uh, for example, Twitter, they just started allowing cannabis ads. Um, it's a, a little clunky at the moment, still working out some kinks, but being just knowing that you have that availability, you can, you know, be the first on a platform. You could, could potentially, I think it, it was just released earlier this year. So you could be one of the first dispensaries, one of the first cannabis brands to be seen on Twitter. And, you know, consumers may not ever forget that. They may say, oh my God, a cannabis ad on Twitter? I've never seen that before. I need to check this out. Uh, so staying on top of the latest tools is super, super important. Um, another thing I would say is, I don't think I knew how big events and experiential marketing would be. Uh, when can when I first began in the cannabis uh, industry, I uh, helped one of my former clients with their kind of their 420 festival. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. But it's so much bigger than that now. Um, so being ready for that when the time comes, when consumption lounges become more of a norm, um, or even being ready to give a cannabis course on how to make your own edibles. Um, or, you know, maybe there'll be cannabis watch parties in the future for sporting events. You just being able to shift and, you know, begin with those. And I know we live, I live in the beautiful state of Colorado, so we have a lot more opportunities than other states, but as those new states are forming to be ready to jump in when they're able to do so. Yeah. It's, I, the consumption conversation is always interesting because the analogy I like to use, which you will probably understand is like the current environment would be like if we had liquor stores, but no bars. And we have dispensaries, but we don't have consumption spaces. And it's like, could you imagine, could you imagine right. if we had just liquor stores and no bars, but you had to walk home with your alcohol in a bag and then consume it in your living room. And that was like the space you were relegated to. That's mm -hmm. the current phase that we're in. Yeah, um, especially. And, you know, I started in Las Vegas, so that was a message I was often having to really um navigate because vegas is a big tourist city so you yeah know, we have people coming in coming into my clients a store saying oh i can't wait to buy cannabis but wait i can't smoke it at the um i can't smoke it at the hotel what do i do or you know they're asking bud tenders you know where can i smoke this can i smoke it right here <laughs> you know um so being able to navigate those things and making sure that your marketing still allows and ensures that consumers have ways to go about it. That was super tough. Um, consumption lounges, I believe, just re recently became legal in Nevada. So I am hoping that they can really push that because to be a tourist and to come to Vegas, you know, for a week or a day and, you know, you see the big dispensaries and the lights and you have nowhere to go, uh, that's super tough. Yeah, definitely. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, your talk at the Cannabis Marketing Summit. Can you give a little preview, just a little preview as to what you're talking about, maybe some highlights or, or what's important? We, um, as many of you know, our conference is June 21st through 23rd. We have three stages running. We're over two and a half days. We're talking about all topics, cannabis marketing. Um, and Tati and her CEO have a really awesome workshop and presentation about kind of the, the parallels between alcohol in cannabis, which if you don't know, or I guess don't know this already, but our marketing regulations are pulled directly from the alcohol industries and just modified. So like, it, and actually this is for all of cannabis regulations, I should say, this isn't just um, marketing, but in Colorado amendment 64, which is the legal, the um, bill that was passed for legalization, their slogan was regulate marijuana like alcohol. So that is alcohol is the basis of cannabis as policies, but we know it's not the same, right? Alcohol doesn't have this 
medicinal use, the effects of alcohol and cannabis, you know, are very different on the body and the mind. Um, but from a regulatory standpoint, that's, that's how things were built. So can you give a little insight into what you're going to be talking about and maybe what folks can look forward to? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're super excited about it. Um, my CEO and, and I, Doyle, we are going to kind of tag team and, you know, I am the, you know, the cannabis expert for this presentation and he is the alcohol expert. So uh, he worked for Cores many years ago, um, helping out with their PR. So a lot of those initiatives that he was, you know, navigating through in the 80s and 90s, uh, that is just what we're going to be talking about, how cannabis can um, benefit from those as well. So as you just discussed, a lot of these regulations are directly tied to how alcohol was introduced and legalized and regulated uh, in the U.S. Uh, so we're going to be diving in to talk about, you know, some of the um, some of the sort of obstacles that the alcohol industry had to overcome, um, you know, some of the unsubstantiated claims, uh, some of, you know, claims to ban alcohol, you know, we won't talk too much about early on, you know, in the 1800s and the, you know, the temperance movement, but we're going to talk about how in the 80s, you know, drunk driving was something that was, you know, greatly discussed. And, you know, there were several marketing pushes to you know, ban alcohol once again. Uh, so the alcohol industry really worked yeah. hard to make sure that that didn't happen, uh, provided some extra regulations, some extra uh, oomph to the fact that, you know, this is a regulated industry. So one thing we'll be talking about is, you know, the slogan 21 means 21. Um, you know, that still runs true, um, you know, alcohol, you know, liquor stores and bars still have the signs up to this day. Uh, but that was one way to protect themselves from potential rebanning of alcohol. So we'll be talking about responsible marketing strategies that cannabis industry professionals can use, but more than just responsible marketing, it's the responsible positioning. Um, so that goes right back into discussing that, you know, to get into this dispensary, you have to be 21, you have to show your ID. Uh, those types of messages need to be shared more so more often than not. Uh, so we'll be diving into those. I won't talk too, too much about the specific parts of the presentation, but just know you're going to be hearing from an alcohol PR pro. Uh, and then uh, what I'd like to call myself, I'm getting much better at cannabis PR over the many years. Um, so you're going to see how we're, you know, going back and forth and talking about what did alcohol do and how can cannabis benefit this? Because, as time goes on, you know, we are going to be, I don't want to say attacked, but, you know, as, you know, things are going to be legalized in the near future, more states are, you know, becoming legalized. Uh, we have St. Banking Act to potentially, hopefully, fingers crossed, see uh, that will help. But, you know, when those things come to come about, that means refuters come with it. Uh, so it's just all about protection and, you know, all about making sure that people that aren't cannabis enthusiasts knows about the good things that we're trying to do in the industry. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it. And I'm, I'm really excited for your talk. And didn't he work, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he work in-house like as an executive at course? Yeah. So he, he knows like, and he, he knows. saw it then. Too. He saw it then and, you know, was working very closely with, you know, a lot of those messages that was, you know, it was, it was all him. So really excited yeah. to talk about it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great talk. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And you guys are Friday, right after our keynote. So you'll be you'll be there um, Friday morning for, for those who are coming. Yep, yep, yep. And then uh, for anyone that would like to connect, um, you definitely can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, but I will be there all three days. Uh, I'm super excited. I was there last year, saw a lot of amazing talks. So I'm really excited to be giving one this time. Nice, nice. I'm, I, I can't wait. It's going to be, um, we took 
we're, it's going to be better. Like last year was awesome. It was an awesome event. It was our first time doing it in person, um, given the hiatus with the pandemic, but we took like all the things that were good for last year and all the things we could have improved and put it into the show. Um, so, and I'll, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about that, but, um, Tati, I also want to ask you, where do you see the industry going in the future? Like what's the short term, what's the longer term? Um, and if you could even tie that into PR, like where do you see it going and what are some of those opportunities there? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so right now I'm super hopeful for Safe Banking Act. Um, you know, it's super important to make sure that legal cannabis businesses have access to financial services. Uh, it keeps their employees legal, um, safe. It keeps the community safe, you know, because, you know, especially with dealing with cash. Um, but I'm also really hopeful for um, expungement of nonviolent cannabis records. Uh, that's something that I am really, really passionate about. Um, I know one of the Democratic senators, uh, I believe is Merkley, um, but he's pushing for reform that kind of is rooted in restorative justice. So he wants to make sure that, you know, states get funding if they choose to expunge cannabis records. So I definitely see that happening. I'm really looking forward to it. And tying both of those things into PR, um, you know, when it comes from from a business standpoint, making sure that, you know, if that is something that you are passionate about, you want your consumers to know about it too. You want to be um, representing in a positive light and you want to be making sure that the media knows about that as well. So that's something super, super important. And uh, when it comes to Safe Banking Act, as that thing, you know, as that really begun, begins to, you know, take flight, um, you know, that's when cannabis businesses need to be talking about here, look at what's happening right now. Here's how this could benefit my business. So from a PR standpoint, as those conversations happen more often, we need to be discussing that um, externally and saying like, the reasons why I need this for my business is X, Y, and Z. Uh, so I definitely think that's really important. Um, I would also say that, um, I guess, you know, again, we're talking about social media, if more platforms decide to allow cannabis ads, I think that'll be really important and will really help grow the cannabis industry. Um, experiential marketing, I know I just mentioned that, but now that we're out of the pandemic, we can really, you know, be connecting in person um, and create new experiences involving cannabis. So I think that'll be really important as well. Um, and then lastly, social equity. Um, definitely see them really propelling. Um, I also, I see the rise of their businesses, but I also see and hope to see uh, mentors who are long-term players in the space. I'd really love for them to help propel them up as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's see. And then what is your personal favorite part of working in the cannabis industry? Like what, what is different about it from the work you were doing in Vegas and the other industries that you work with? Like, I'm guessing cybersecurity is a very different conversation. So it is, you yeah. know, it is quite different. Those, those uh, client calls are definitely different. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite part of the cannabis industry is that, you know, it's, it's grassroots history um, and how that still is carried on to with that same passion today. Um, you know, in the, in the sixties with the anti-war era, um, you know, cannabis, it switched from being just like a fun leisure activity to really a fierce political stance. Um, and that is still something that is really cared about still today. Um, even today, uh, you know, our industry, we prioritize, you know, reversing the effects of war on drugs. Uh, we're extremely active in politics. Um, and then we come together for rights for cannabis business owners. So that's my favorite part of being in the cannabis industry is that 
we do really care. We, you know, I feel like it is truly just all good people. Honestly, um, I haven't met a cannabis bad actor to this date. Um, and I love working in the cannabis industry. I love helping them uh, propel, especially as, you know, there's so many new cannabis companies coming to be, to, uh, you know, every single day. So helping enter these markets, especially new markets as they're coming to be. Um, my dad is wanting to um, become a franchise owner of a dispensary in Missouri. So nice. I'm helping with that. I know, I know. So just seeing it grow and seeing it, how it's something that I used to hide from my parents. <laughs> yeah. And now um, I'm helping him get involved. So just, it's, it's so cool to see it literally growing more and more every day. It's my absolute favorite thing. That's so cool. Is he applying for a license? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's applying for a license. Um, so helping him through that whole thing. And it's just, it's so crazy that he, you know, now I don't have to hide it. Well, I mean, I haven't hide, hid it definitely since I started working in it five years ago. But uh, to see him seeing the benefits of it, seeing him understand how it's helped me over the years for personal use and helped propel my career and how I've, you know, he's always following along. He's going to be watching this. <laughs> Seeing how he's helping clients, um, you know, increase their sales and, you know, become, you know, true thought leaders in the industry. Um, that's just really cool to see. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Well, Tati, thank you so much. Is there any contact information you want to share anywhere on social email website um, so our audience sure. can find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So comprise.agency, that is our PR agency. If you're interested in speaking about our services, we would love to connect with you. Um, you can reach me at LinkedIn slash Tati Brooks. Uh, that's the best way there. Um, and then also just at the event, I would love to talk to any and everyone. I'm really looking forward to it. I will be at every single event and I'm really looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lisa. I can't wait. And I'll definitely have to uh, come say hi to you uh, later this month. I will see you there. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate it. Get your tickets now to the Cannabis Marketing Summit. Use the code PODCAST20 for 20% off, exclusive to Party Like a Marketer subscribers. Go to thecannabismarketingassociation.com and click on the Cannabis Marketing Summit. See you next week. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. We'll see you next week and we'll see you in June at the Cannabis Marketing Summit. Get your tickets now at thecannabismarketingassociation.com to get your free entry to the CMA 7's Marketing Awards.